Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. I also do want to get back to what we were talking about yesterday. Because I have to say, we were inundated with emails and texts and WhatsApps. I told a brief story about the fact that I felt unwell last week and I ended up going to the Ulster Hospital to a on Saturday. And I was in and out of the place an hour and a half, two hours, whatever it was, the two hours at the most. And I said how efficient I believed it was. Now, I know people in the North and people in the UK will give out about the NHS, but they have no idea what it's like in Ireland. And yesterday, some of the texts we got in of people saying that they went to A&E and they were there. And when you go there, you expect to be there for possibly 10 hours. That would be the norm. Particularly, for example, if you go to a busy one like, say, Beaumont in Dublin or Tala Hospital in Dublin. But maybe if you go to University Hospital in Limerick or somewhere else or, or Cork Hospital or, or Galway, it might be slightly different. But the times seem to all be in and around the same once they're busy. Anywhere between eight, I've heard 13 hours. Some people say nearly 24 hours. One guy yesterday in the air, 13 hours before a doctor even came to see him. Right, so that's one problem, which is, is obviously in relation to admin as well. But a lot of people have been texting saying, no, you're being a bit too soft on the staff here, that the doctors and the nurses and the porters are also responsible for this delay because they're not being efficient and um, in some cases completely incompetent. Sending people home who are still unwell just to get them out of the waiting room, uh, not dealing with the situation properly. One guy in the air yesterday said he was saw by triage, he was in serious pain and he didn't see a doctor for 13 hours. Like, that's ridiculous. He could be dead in 13 hours. And, like, I got an email then just after the show yesterday. Hi, doll. I was at an appointment at UHL last Thursday. This is in Limerick, obviously. Uh, there was an elderly, very ill-looking man who was sitting in a wheelchair. I overheard the nurse trying to get a porter to collect him. She was fuming and said she had been waiting two hours. Uh, he had been waiting two hours to be collected by a porter to bring him back to the ward. I mean, that's ridiculous. Somebody else sent us an email saying that a porter had to come from another hospital to move somebody because the staff couldn't move them because of the unions. The unions. And it's all, you know, pieces of paper and signing this and signing that. And somebody can't do this job because it's not their job instead of looking after sick people. So I suppose the real question is, have you lost faith in the health service in this country? It's a disaster. And don't, you can't just turn around and go, oh, it's Simon Harris's fault. It's not just Simon Harris's fault, you know. It was James Riley's fault. It was Mary Harney's fault. It was Michal Martin's fault. It was every Minister for Health's fault before that as well. It's been like that since they decided to set up the HSE and we moved away from the regional hospital model. So maybe we should go back to the regional hospital model. Maybe that worked better. I think it did work better. Mind you, it was a smaller population. We have a population of 5 million people. It's not a big population by any stretch of the imagination. Yes, we are scattered a bit. But the majority, 70% of our population, are in cities. So we should be able to manage it fairly easy. In the north, they've only got 1.7 million people. But they only have about a tenth of the hospitals that we have. And they can do it. So how can we not do it? You could say it's staffing. But any time I've been there, there seems to be plenty of staff. There seems to be no shortage of staff. Maybe that's my imagination. And I'm not suggesting for a minute the nurses are not doing their jobs. I think they are. But I think it's just badly managed. And I think they are part of that bad management as well. Because they themselves see the problems and maybe should be able to help to fix it in some way. Or communicate a bit better. I don't see departments communicating with each other. And just to give you a small example, and I was talking to End about this a few minutes ago. When I went uh, to the Ulster Hospital, uh, I needed a blood test. The doctor who examined me after about 20 minutes of me being there in a 150 people in a waiting room, the doctor who examined me 
took the blood test. He didn't go off and say, I'll get someone to take a blood test, you know, and as they would here, and go off and get a nurse to do it, which would take another two hours to find a nurse available to get me a blood test. She went straight off herself, come back with the tray two minutes later and took the blood test. Job done. She filled out the form then to get me an x-ray straight away. She took my urine sample straight away. She did all of that. The doctor did all of that. She didn't get somebody else to do it, which means it was all done. So we weren't waiting. What happens is you go to hospital here. One person has to do this. Another person has to do this. Another person has to do this. And everybody is sending you in different directions. And you're waiting an hour and a half to see each individual person who's going to send you for whatever test you need to get done. Instead of having it all done at one time together, which is much more efficient. So what are the problems? Where do you see the problems in the Irish Health Service? And is it even possible to fix it at this stage? Or is it completely broken and need to be taken apart and put back together again? I want to know your experiences dealing with the hospital service in this country, the HSE. What have your experiences been? So let me know what you think. Um, and if, by the way, if you want to send us in a voice message, you can on WhatsApp as well. 087-188-0008. So you can send us a voice match, uh, message on WhatsApp. That's 087-188-0008. Or you can send us a text or a message on WhatsApp. That's fine as well. Or if you want to give us a call, you can. Don't forget the phone number as well. 1850 410 That's 1850 410 They're waiting to take your call now if you want to give us a call. All right. Anthony, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Anthony? Niall, how are things? Anthony, I mean, look, the whole thing seems you fall apart at the seams. It's not getting any better. We can keep complaining about it, but sure, what's that? What's, it's not going to make any difference, is it? Well, you know, I have one simple solution. Whether anyone else would agree with me or not now, I don't know. But I would love to know what the existence of HICWA is. Because if HICWA were doing their job, people wouldn't be lined up in trolleys and corridors with no privacy, top to tail, someone's foot on top of your head when you're on top of a trolley. Down here, I went to visit a friend in the, I call it the No Mercy Hospital, and that was rebuilt. There was a new A&E department rebuilt, and it's cost millions. And people are lying out in the corridor on trolleys, and there's automatic doors that are opening and closing every five seconds. And it's at the, the, the face of the River Lee. So there's a freezing cold wind coming in from the river, blasting through the corridor every time someone comes to the door, which is like every couple of minutes. Yep, yep. And I mean, it's absolutely disgusting. Well, see, well, well, Hick will do the reports, but you, then somebody has to do something about the report. And mind you, you know, I mean, you know as well as I do, you know, we've as many NGOs in this country and organisations and people doing reports as you could take a stick at, and it's all money. People get paid to do these reports. I mean, I'm aware of situations where, you know, people who are bored in the hospital system were asked to do a report for the minister in relation to, say, waiting times. It takes them five months to do the report, and sure, it's not even used. It's not even sent up. It's just to give people something to do. And what are the fire brigade doing? If you were a private landlord, or if you were a private business, or a hotel, or whatever, you couldn't clog up the main exit or the main entry into the hospital. You'd be closed down overnight. I See, there is a problem as well that when the fire department who drive the ambulances, obviously, when they bring people to the hospital, somebody has to sign that person off. Now, I've heard of ambulance drivers being left in hospitals for an hour and a half because they can't leave the patient until the doctor sees the patient. So they have to sign the patient off because the patient is their responsibility until the doctor signs or somebody signs for that patient. 
So yeah. sometimes, sometimes we have a situation whereby an ambulance is off the road for an hour, an hour and a half because they're sitting waiting, just like you or me would be waiting in a waiting room for somebody to have a patient signed off. Yeah, and I mean, I said to someone before as well, like about Hikwe, I said, what are they actually doing? They're not actually doing anything. Well, they don't, well, they don't see, there doesn't seem to be any passion to fix the problem. No, I mean, because I, I've been talking about this on radio for, since 2001. And people have said to me then, oh, well, I mean, what are they supposed to do? They can't turn away patients if a patient comes. Yeah, that's fine. The trains are overcrowded here as well, and the Dart and the Lewis and things like that. But it doesn't mean we go up and sit in the roof like they do over in India, like, does it? I know, and, you know, and when the trains are overcrowded, I listened to Barry Kenny during the week talking about the fact that they are purchasing more trains and more carriages. So that's, that's how you fix that problem. And look, that might take a year or two because we have to get the budget together for it, but that problem will be fixed. We can fix that problem. But we don't, it doesn't matter how much money we throw at the health service. We threw another billion at it last year on top of the already, you know, assigned 16 billion. And it made absolutely no difference. So I'll stay there for a second. Uh, by the way, just to mention as well, that is uh, just news coming in. A man in his 60s has been found dead on the street. Uh, I'm just looking at it. In Gorey in County Wexford. What a shocking story. A body of a man in the 60s tragically found in Gorey County Wexford. And uh, I'll give you more information on that as we get it, all right? But it's an tra- absolute tragic story when anybody's found dead. All right, let me just go to uh, Dave. Dave, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Dave? Hi, folks. Dave, I mean, uh, you were in A&E with your mother. Yep. And how long did you, how long did you spend in it? Um, she got there at three. Yeah. I got down, I went to car four because we were expecting to bring her home. Um, I got out at half 11 last night, and then I had to go back down at six o'clock this morning with her mate. Oh my! Right, and and just to let us know, your your mom has lung cancer as well. Yeah, so, so oh, it, she's not it, a well no, woman. No, she's not well. No, but she she kicked in the balls once before. She's gonna do it again. Everything in that regard isn't too bad, but just to have her treatment on hold because she's not very strong physically at the moment. So we're trying to get her bills back up. So you know, it's just so, well, yeah, well, you you would imagine in you know she's in a vulnerable situation. You would imagine oh, she yeah. would be priority. No, look, a level of priority. Have, yeah, well, look, there's one thing I have to say, right? I myself and the missus have spent so much time in the hospital between my parents, her parents, grandparents, and last five years, we should nearly be paying them rent at this point, right? The, the care that they have received, and especially when it comes to cancer, like the oncology ward down there, the people who work there and the service they provide is amazing. And I, I would never knock it, and I wouldn't have anybody do it because they do a savage job. Just the system itself is just broke. Like, a perfect example, right? Like, I'm a half an hour away from Limerick Hospital. I'm a 50-minute drive away from Carmel Hospital. I would rather drive the extra 20 minutes to Carmel to go to Limerick. Because if you go into Limerick, you go, I have a friend who spent 23 hours sitting on a chair for a back problem. I heard, I heard Limerick Hospital is disastrous. Yes, University Limerick Hospital Limerick. Hospital is insane. And, but the thing is, in between where I have to go to go to Carmel is Cashel Hospital, Right? They spend 12 million euros doing up Cashel Hospital, and all they do there is x-ray. Like, I, did, I dropped a t- uh, something on my hand to work for, and I had to go for an x-ray, and I walked in there, and I'm not joking, man. This place is so clean and tidy, it's on the level of, like, a private hospital, right? But, to, but yeah, but here's the problem. When your mom goes into hospital, or Anthony goes into hospital, or I go into hospital, I go into A&E, and, and we, obviously we'll get to get into triage in a half an hour, probably, right? Most people will, right? So you're into triage maybe in a half an hour, 
And maybe, I don't know, maybe you have a really bad pain, you know, in your back or your chest or something like that, okay? And you're, you're concerned about something, right? Or you might have broke off a bloody leg for, for that matter. But why does it take 13 hours for a doctor to have a look at you? Because you don't have the resources. That's to, I don't find that a good enough excuse. No, no, but it is. But right, think of it like this, right? There used to be so many more A&E departments around the place. Like, the reason I brought, in, brought up Cashel is Cashel Hospital closes their doors every day at 5 o'clock. The whole place shuts down, right? If they reopen Cashel, just, just for the elderly, just for elderly people who are convalescent, because there was a good few elderly people on the corridor. The, most of the people on the corridors last night, and in A&E, were elderly people who, if they put them in Cashel Hospital, that would take a hell of a lot of the burden off of Samel, right? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. They haven't, sorry to interrupt you now, they haven't stripped services. What they did about 15 years ago is they set up these out-of-hours doctor services. <clears throat> Down here it's called South Dock, it's called a different thing in other countries. D-Dock, yeah, and all those. Yeah, yeah. And they were supposed to free up the A&E that people would ring and the doctor would come to the house or you would go to them. But most of the time when you ring them now, you have to make an appointment to go out and see That's them. That's right, yeah. I have a friend. The, the, I have, well, I think the biggest problem with the, the D-Docs and the, and the South Docs and all the other docs that are around the country is I don't think people have a huge amount of faith in them. No, they don't. Because, because you're, waiting, a, you're waiting three or four hours for them to come in a lot of cases. Not in all cases, but... Niall, I had a friend a month ago and she was seriously, seriously ill with stomach pains and I didn't know what was wrong with her. Rang South Dock. No, they couldn't come out to the house. Oh, can you come out in two hours' time? Fine. We said, that's fine. We got a taxi out. Taxi was 20 quid. The doctor waited 15 minutes to see the doctor. And then the doctor, oh, well, you'll have to go to the CH or you'll have to go to the Mercy. Another 20 quid for another taxi. When she could have just went straight to any. That's why people are going to any. That's why they're clocked up. Yeah, sorry, 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 Dave. There aren't enough A and E, and I'm sorry. I like I. I'm so sorry. You, you've had those experiences. We call it care doc here, and we've had the care doc out to our house. We nearly have them on speed dial at this point. They're always out to us very quick. But the problem with the care doc is, is well, right? Because of people who are abusing the stuff like uh, opiates and stuff like that, the care doc aren't allowed to give you painkillers anymore, and they're not allowed to give you sleep and have this rant like that. Because one of them told me there recently, they had guys slamming their hands in corridors trying to get their hands on pain meds. So their hands are tied in that respect. And another problem, and this is a bigger issue here, the whole reason my man's in hospital right now is because our gobshite of a local GP doesn't make house calls anymore. And that, uh, I was talking to a girl in Waterford from the oncology yesterday, and she said that is becoming a bigger and bigger thing. Most, <laughs> most of the GPs don't make house calls anymore. Well, can I explain? Because, and, and that's why they came up with all these D-Docs and South Docs and Care Docs and everybody else, because most GPs don't make house calls. I mean, I used to, our GP years ago, when my kids were small, used to make house calls. Uh, now they don't. Yeah, so did our family doctor. Will I explain to you why that happened? Because what? a couple of years ago, the HSE decided that doctors for patients with medical cards they wouldn't be paid for the house visits. So that's why they stopped doing it. Well, so then they decided, let's spend another couple of million setting up South Dock instead. Okay, well, stay there for a second. Loads and loads of texts, by the way, coming in. Uh, you can WhatsApp us or text us 87 8 And don't forget, if you want to give us a call, you can. You can call the radio station if you want to. Uh, the number is 1850 410 What has your experience been? Uh, Donald, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Donald? 
I do. Well, Niall, thank Jesus, eventually, there is an honesty bait about the health service in this country. Because for years, on all national programmes, all politicians, the one thing you could never say is maybe the nurses and the doctors may be lazy and wrong. And that's a fact. That's what's happening as well. My woman works in the health service. She has told me. Uh, my sister works in the health service. She has told me. You, you cannot get sacked. You cannot get sacked from the health service. No matter what your performance is. No, you, you'll be moved. And, and that's a fact. Yeah, no, no I know, I know, no. I know of situations where people have done things that yeah. you would get sacked from any other job yeah. from, and what happens is they just get and, moved and to another hospital. The second gentleman there has said yeah. it, 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 it's resources. It's nothing to do with resources. There is billions gone into the health service. Absolutely billions. Seventeen and billion know, last year. And I'm no fan of the, of the minister for health or any politicians. I'm not. But look at it this way: like, when did the day come where you? Well, you don't do your job, nothing can be done to you. I mean, and, and I'm sick to the teeth, especially with the A&E, nurses coming on, like they're angels and everything else like that. They're doing their job. That's their job. And I'm sick to the teeth of it. Like, do, do we, will we call the postman an angel because he delivers your letter? If you don't want to do that job, then just get out of it. It's a fair point, and I've said that a few times in the year before. Now, but don't get me wrong, it is an important job, right? Because, it is, but it's, yeah, because but it's they keep people job. alive. But it is their job, you're right. Yes. And, you know, and they should do their job. We no, shouldn't be congratulating them for doing no, what they're meant to do. And, and Niall, I'll tell you another thing that's gone wrong, and this is unions has brought this in. First of all, you, you spoke about Northern Ireland and England. The reason why their health service is, is a bit better, and, and, and not just their health service, but other departments, is because Thatcher smashed the unions, and they still haven't fully recovered over in England. The unions. And that's what needs to happen here in Ireland. Somebody needs to take on the unions. Somebody, like, I'm sick to the teeth of unions, and then saying, oh, all our members are perfect. There is outstanding nurses out there. There is outstanding doctors out there. But there is nurses out there as well. And there's a lot of them that's not doing their jobs. And there's a lot of doctors that's not doing their jobs. And they need to be taken on. And the unions are representing these people, and somebody needs to take on the unions. But you won't get them to come on to this show on night because you challenge people. Well, I mean, I, I, did, I did get one, uh, no, I was recently in hospital and the nurse had worked a 12-hour shift, God yeah. love her. Now, let's, let's just put this myth to bed that they work long hours, right? Um, yeah. They work the hours they're meant to work. Now, they do 12-hour yeah. shifts, they might do three 12-hour shifts, but then you have to remember yeah. they have four days off. So yeah. they only still only do their 36 hours, just like anybody else. If they do more than that, they get paid for it. If they work at weekends, they get an extra allowance. If they work past a certain time on a Friday, they get yeah. an extra allowance. So they're getting well paid for what they're doing. Yeah. It's their job. I'm sick of it. I've heard it on, on numerous radio shows. And you swear these people were meant to do these jobs, that they were taken from school and told that you were going to be a nurse and you have no choice in the matter. Mm-hmm. I'm really sick to the things of it. And look at all the... And you know another thing the unions brought in? You have pink uniforms for this. You have blue uniforms for this. You have other uniforms for cleaning. I heard a union official speak on prime time one night and what he said about cleaners, he can't expect his members to get down their hands and knees and clean behind the back of toilets. Why? if it's their job. Right, well, I did get one email yesterday in relation to the, a situation like that where somebody, a porter hadn't turned up for work or whatever, yeah. right? And they had to wait for a porter to come from another hospital to move a patient instead uh, of just a nurse doing it. No, I, I, I'm living beside the university. I live very close to the university in Limerick. It's an absolute disgrace. And the porters went on strike there. And part of the reason they went on strike, and, one, and I spoke to one of the porters about this because he was in the army with me, because they had no place to have their tea and the place full of canteens, but they don't have their own little canteen. That's well, that's a crazy situation. And that, and that is a fact. And porters want porter. It's one man, one job. That's what's going on. 
I mean, Dave, well, hang on, Dave, I know you've had a, a good experience, and that's fine, and, and you, you, obviously um, you've had a lot of sick members of your family recently, and, you know, and, and they've looked after them very well, and I'm sure they have, but, but I think, you know, Donald has a really good point, it's their job to look after them. Yeah. Of course, well, you know, you know, that's our job. Yeah, you shouldn't get an extra pat in the back for for going into the fields you wanted to do. Sorry, I need to clear myself up. When when I'm talking about resources, I'm not talking about, like, bodies on the floor because there was enough doctors and nurses there tripping over each other. What I'm talking about is when you have 20 people in A&E getting blood dumped, but you've only one lab tech doing the blood. Do you know what I mean? Like, you have more than one X-ray unit in the hospital, yet after a certain time, the X-ray people are gone. Or how about... Well, and, but, they, but isn't that the problem? Because when I compared the Ulster, which I was in on Saturday, to, and to my experience to say in Beaumont, which I've been in a couple of times, and if people who are familiar with Beaumont, you go to the waiting room, and then when you're called in, you go into another place inside where there's loads of people all sitting around as well waiting too. I see as many staff there as I've seen in the Ulster. I don't think there was that many more... That more that There was more staff, to be honest with you, in the Ulster. I just think it was more efficiently done. They were just doing their job, Niall. That's it. They were just they doing have, their job. They have the staff, but it's his poor management and there's no accountability. I mean, but a simple thing, like I explained earlier on, like the doctor took all my tests. The doctor the, herself, she was the doctor. She didn't go off looking for a nurse to take me blood tests. She didn't go off looking for somebody else to write out my thing for to get an x-ray. She didn't go off and, you know, uh, get find somebody else to do my urine test for me. She did it all herself. Yeah, because she's probably cross-trained in how to do all these different things. Well, why, well, why, well, why isn't that happening? Are, are you telling me that nurses in A&E don't know how to test urine or bloods? But in fairness now, after how, what, five, six years in college, they should, like. Yeah. No. But again, no, but that is it. But the biggest problem is, right, look at the guys at the top, right? Because you go into any hospital, and the amount of admin staff in sitting inside the office doing nothing. Is oh, yeah, crazy. or the amount of ages running around civvies, running around hospitals with folders in their hands. But, yeah. but Niall, what would, happen, what would happen if the minister said that in the morning? He'd be out of a job, and the unions would have him out of the job. That's a fact. Okay, well, stay there, guys and girls. I have to take a break. You can keep texting us or WhatsApping us. Uh, the number is 087-188-0008. If you want to send us a WhatsApp audio message just like this one, you can. How you doing, Niall Morris here? 21 years ago, my son was misdiagnosed in a Dublin hospital as a three-year-old. They sent him home with E. coli 0157. It could have killed him. Brought him back in, still sick. Uh, kept an eye on him and uh, eventually discovered what it was that was wrong with him but uh, he's 24 years of age now and he's a big fine strapping lad it just seems to be getting worse they nearly cost me my son and look at Emma McMahona the girl, the mother who died Uh, left four children behind her first year anniversary, dead killed by the health service in this country disgraceful Thanks. If you want your say, send us a text to WhatsApp at 087 Don't forget if as well, if you want to give us a call, you can. Uh, it's quite simple. Just pick up your telephone and dial the number. And the number is uh, 1850 410 494. What gets your blood boiling? Call 1850-410-494. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. 90s at night. Hey, it's Trina Mara. Join me tonight from 7 for two hours of your favourite classic 90s hits like these. These and a whole load of memories 
Nineties to bring you back to the era that keeps on giving. So join me from seven for Nineties at Night. Nineties at Night with House Howley Ski Limerick. The party continues downstairs every weekend in our brand new Amber Nightclub. Here's an offer to heat up your afternoon. Choose a Nest Learning thermostat for just €130 with a Google Home Mini at no extra charge. Get yours today at electricireland.ie forward slash shop. Electric Ireland. Smarter living. It's the Black October sale at Guineas. Why wait? Prices slashed across all departments. Get it at Guineas. Black October sale ends Sunday. Buy online at guineas.ie. I'm Owen O'Reilly of City Colleges, the winner of the Irish Accounting Excellence in Education and Training Award for exceptional and caring tutors deliver outstanding results, including top ACCA affiliate 2019. And now, uniquely, our ACCA tuition starts after your exam results, just when you're ready to learn. Go to citycolleges.ie to enrol now and manage your promotion at City Colleges. Professional education. Kids grow. It's what they do. Legs stretch, arms extend, tiny fingers branch out. Before you know it, your little people are anything but. If only your place would grow with them. But walls don't stretch and ceilings won't extend. Which is why if you're thinking of moving house, it's always worth talking to the Ulster Bank mortgage team to see how we could help. Talk to us today. Ulster Bank. Help for what matters. Over 18s in Republic of Ireland residents only. Ulster Bank is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Thinking of decorating your home? Think Albany Home Decor. We're passionate about helping you choose the right interior scheme for your home. Call into one of our 26 stores nationwide and be inspired by our superb range of paint, wallpaper and soft furnishings. Albany. Nobody does decor better. Visit albany.ie. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show with AutoExpress.ie. There is no debate. Luxury for less with AutoExpress. Classic hits. If you want to give us a call, you can. The number is 1850-410-494. And don't forget, you can tax Texas. Texas? Texas at 087. You can tax us as well if you want to. 087-188-0008. That's our WhatsApp or text number. What has your experience been in the HSE? In general, not just A&E, because we spoke in great detail about A&E yesterday, the disaster that is in Ireland. And we were chatting in the office this morning, we are all talking about our own experiences, myself and Trina and Enda and Tara and everybody, about, you know, our parents and our families' experiences in hospitals around the world. And we all came to the conclusion that Ireland is possibly the worst. And um, we talked about even places like the Costa del Sol, and Enda mentioned some country, I think it was Latvia he was in, or somewhere like that, where they were in and out in an hour. Costa del Sol, uh, I had an experience there going back a few years ago, in and out in two hours, lines on the ground showing you which way to go. Everything was so efficiently done. Why can't we do it? Why can't we get it right? And you can't blame Simon Harris on it. I mean, look, okay, I know he's there. It's his fault at the moment because he happens to be Minister for Health and it's easy to blame him. But it's been every single Minister for Health for the last since I remember doing radio. It's always been the same. It hasn't changed. We've always had people on trolleys. We've always been waiting 24 hours to be seen. It just doesn't change. It doesn't matter about the amount of money we put into it. It's irrelevant. We could put 40 billion into it tomorrow. It's not going to make a difference. What is the problem? Why can we just not get it right? I mean, Donald is saying, and I have to agree with him, 
this idea that we put the staff up on pedestals as some sort of angels from God, that they're amazing, and let's not blame anybody but the staff. In other words, let's blame the government, let's blame admin, let's blame everybody, but just, oh gosh, don't mention the nurses and doctors. They're angels from heaven. He's right. They're not all angels from heaven. Some of them are gobshites. Some of them are not doing their job. For example, Richie said to me in a text here, a friend of mine is a nurse in an extremely busy geriatric ward, geriatric ward and the CUH. She needed a signature one night uh, from one of the managers. Uh, when she tracked them down, they were all three in an office shopping online. He said, it's not a vote-getter, but we need a strong man to take on the unions because at this stage, they've got blood on their hands. Well, he's got a point. Let me go to uh, Sheila. You're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Sheila? Hi, Niall. How are you? Good. Sheila, I mean, what has your experience been? Well, last year I, I uh, presented to St. Michael's Hospital in Dunleary with uh, acute vertigo. I couldn't stand. Okay. And I have to say my experience in St. Michael's was amazing. But they had to transfer me by ambulance to St. Vincent's for a brain scan. Okay. And I'm not joking. The difference in the two hospitals is miles apart. Uh, the paramedic in the ambulance actually said, wait till you see what happens when we go in here now. And... We went in and I was left on a trolley with the two paramedics for three quarters of an hour before anyone came over to take over the paperwork. And it wasn't busy. They were walking around talking to each other, showing each other on their phones, whatever they were doing. And I thought it was just, that's unacceptable. So it, was, it wasn't just the system, it was the staff themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you, you yeah. just felt they didn't they didn't give you the priority that you deserved at that particular well, time. Well, when you come in on an, in an ambulance... You would, um, yeah, well, you would imagine there would be some level of urgency, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But no, no. And the part... The part I felt sorry for the actual ambulance crew. They yeah. were so good. And they said this is a regular occurrence. Yeah. Regular occurrence. So it is, like we, we as you said... It we is don't... everything. There's every, everything is the problem, not just one thing. Everything yeah, is the problem. Yeah, uh, this fact we have of uh, the staff... No, yeah. they are to blame too. Yeah, you know, I do believe it. Well, not them all. But, no, no, you know, no, there is. I, I know, no, to be fair, most of them do a good job. And, yeah. and, and as Donald rightly pointed out, it is their job. So we shouldn't be, they shouldn't deserve an extra pat on the back. Like, yeah. you know, when, when I come in and, and do this show every day, that's my job. If I do a good show, I don't, like, I don't have people ringing me going, Niall, here's an extra yeah. pat on the back for you and here's a few quid extra for you for doing a good job. <laughs> Nor me that, either. <laughs> that's, that's the job I do and that's uh, what I'm supposed to yeah, do. Yeah, so I, do... I, I, I presented it at four o'clock for the brain scan and I didn't get the brain scan till ten. And how are you, by the way? What was the, the end result? Oh, uh, acute vertigo. It's Meniere's disease. I'll be on medication for life. And is, that, so, is that something to do with your inner ear? It, yeah, something to do with that, yeah. Right, okay, yeah. okay. Because I remember years ago, I had an infection in my inner ear, and I kind of felt dizzy. Every time you, is that kind of every time you sit up, you start feeling dizzy? And you're yeah, I, I actually couldn't stand up. Yeah, right, okay, yeah. <laughs> it was it's, that bad, yeah. I know, it's quite, it's quite sickening, and it's quite worrying when that happens, actually. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. But that's a ten, a six hours waiting on a brain scan. You'd imagine now that would be... Yeah, priority. No, yeah. priority. Niall. Yeah, sorry, Donald. Niall, Niall, you were on the radio there recently there and you asked, what was the happiest day I'm on the radio every day of the week, for God's sake. But yeah. <laughs> what, was, what, what was the happiest day of your life? And I tried to get through to you. And the happiest day of my life was, when I was three days in that regional side in Limerick because I had a pain, we say, in the undercarriage, okay? Yeah. And, and I got a savage worry. I've never heard it described I, as your undercarriage yeah, before. <laughs> <laughs> and I went in, okay, and like, the first thing they mentioned to me, all right, we'll just have to check your, your prostate. Now, Niall, 
Jesus Christ, all thoughts came into my head. I even went over to the, to the chapel, Niall. And, to be, and I'll tell you, on, on national radio, I was bawling crying. And that's a fact. Because you were worried sick. All sorts of thoughts with me head. Jesus, if I have, well, who am I going to tell? I was planning my funeral night. Yeah. This is a fact, like. I know. Who was I going to tell? For? No, I was three days before I got test results. And three days in the trolley, like. And then they said, no, you're fine. Probably muscle or something. I know. And, and the anxiety levels. Jesus, See, what they I, do, I, I, I don't know, know whether they realise when people come in yeah. and think there's something wrong with them, their yeah. anxiety levels are through the ceiling. I nearly, I did, I, I absolutely, I, three, and Niall, one of the nights when so I So what was going through your head? Prostate cancer and all sorts prostate. of things. The, the, very, the prostate, I'm over 50, uh, who will I, which one of the young fellas, which one of my sons will I tell first? Yeah. Will, will I let my mother know? Well, this is all, and, and then I start saying, and then I start, oh Jesus, the funeral and things. Oh, How long have I left? Do? How long have I left? Are, are they going to be all right? It's, oh Niall, every sort of thing went to my head. Yeah, but you were grand. But no, and I was friend. But three, but Niall, the first night I was on a trolley inside the A&E. I was on a trolley, and I I woke up in the middle of the night. There was an old man sitting on a chair beside me. He must be about eighty odd or something. And he could. And I said, yeah, well, "How long are you there?" He said, "I'm here for a good few hours." And I was talking to him. And he said, "I said, hop up here." I said, "Go for a sleep," because I said, "I'm grand." Mm. And I got off. I was getting off the trolley to let him into the trolley. Oh no, 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 no. This nurse came over. No, no, that's your trolley. I said, sure, the man will see him in there for a couple of hours go to sleep. Yeah, no. he needs it more than I do. Oh, by the way, just on that note, it's a good warning, by the way, for men listening as well. Always get your prostate checked, just like we remind women to check yeah, your breasts. Every yeah. year I get it done now. Yeah. Every single year. Get now I know you can't make eye contact with the doctor afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's not a pleasant experience. But look, women have to do it too when they go for their smears or they, you know, for checking for breast cancer as well. It is quite, you know, you can't, got, a bit, bit invasive to say the least. All right, let me just go to Kay. Kay, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Kay? Hi, Nile. How are you? Good, Kay. I mean, what has your experience been? My experience was back in August when uh, my mother, over a few days, got leg pain. It got so bad she couldn't walk. Okay. So we brought her to A&E. Uh, we kind of got through A&E quick enough that day. That's unusual, but go on, yeah. Yeah, I won't say very quick, but quick enough. What's um, quick enough by our standards? Like three hours? Well, like a couple of hours, probably three or four hours. <laughs> that's, so go on, that's, that's quick yeah. enough. Yeah. Yeah. You're all excited uh, if you think you're going to get out in three hours. Yeah, yeah go on. Exactly. So um, she was seen by a doctor and the doctor sent her for an x-ray, even though she hadn't injured her leg. Right. But they sent her, so she went into x-ray. This young lad, radiologist, came out, brought her in. A man came out in tears. And I said, what's wrong, ma'am? He wouldn't help her. He, she couldn't move. He wouldn't right. help her onto the bed because apparently he'd hurt his hand at soccer practice the night before or something. Right. So didn't help her. Made her twist and turn and caused more pain than she was actually in and sent her back to right. the doctor into the consulting room. So she was in agony coming out of the x-ray. She was in tears. He was apparently a brute and he was only a young lad. Well, that's that not really good. Fine. I mean, no, that's not that's not doing your job properly, is it? Really? No, no. I mean, no. and if he was incapable of doing it that day because of a soccer injury, he should have got somebody to assist him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or take the day off, or whatever. Yeah, get somebody else in. Yeah. Yeah, but doctor seen him. And I know, I I know, if you have a broken bone or if you have a pain or whatever it is, and you know, for the X-ray, they do have to get you into a certain position to get a good image. It can be a little bit. It can be a little bit uncomfortable sometimes. I'm aware yeah. of that. Yes. Yes. Definitely. But, I mean, no, it was his manner. And how old, how old did you say she was, Kay? 
She's 74. Ah, jeez. She's thinking, ah, stop. Yeah. Now, she does suffer from chronic back pain anyway. Yeah, but I mean, a 74-year-old woman, somebody should have been able to assist her to get into whatever position she needed for the x-ray. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's absolutely awful. Eventually, two doctors seen her. One had to get a second opinion because there was no break. Oh, it's probably a muscle. Pain relief, home you go. Yeah. About three days later, ma'am was getting worse. I said, right, ma'am, you have to go back into A&E. So and she was brought into a side room this time because they classed it as kind of like a referral because it was an after. Yes. Within the week. Yeah, return visit, yeah. Yeah. So another doctor seen her and said the pain was caused from her back. It was radiating from nerve damage in her back. Right. Now, at this stage, ma'am could not put on any shoes. She couldn't bend down to put her shoes on. Not even that. Her two feet were swollen. Right. Twice the size as they should be. Which wasn't right. It wasn't normal. There was something going on. Yeah, here, we'll increase your pain medication. Off you go. You should be brought in for pain relief and for physio. But unfortunately, there's no beds. You'll be in A&E for two days. So you as well have to go home. You're safer. So suffer at home instead of suffering in here. Yeah. Yeah. So home she went with more medication, stronger medication. I'd say a few days later again, she couldn't get out of the bed. We actually had to ring an ambulance to bring her down the stairs. So back into hospital again? Back in again. He said, right. I'm only cutting the long story short now. Um, We'll get physio to assess you and see if there's anything that can be done to help relieve this pressure because they still thought it was her back. So she went into physio. They said, can you stand up and just walk there and we see how you can walk? And ma'am said, I can't walk. All right. Here's a Zimmer frame. That should help. Off you go. Right. Sat so two hours in A&E waiting to go back into the doctor after this apparently physio assessment. Nobody came for us. We went looking. They'd forgotten about her. They couldn't find her chart. They thought she'd gone home. This just seems to be incompetence. <laughs> One day after the other. But yeah. So, and again, there was no test. There was something causing this foot swelling. There was something causing... So did you get... To, I, I'm not meaning to rush you, but did you get to the bottom of it? No. So is she no. still in pain? Um, not now. She just... It seemed to have faded. Oh, right, okay, okay. It's been like that for a good six weeks. I okay, think. so you had three different specialists or doctors with three different opinions as to what was wrong with her. Yeah. And all sending her home with pain relief. Pain relief. And all yeah. that was actually done was an x-ray. Yeah. Oh, you know, I know. You kind of it makes you lose faith in the system. You wouldn't want to feel really sick, would you? No, no, no. You know what I mean? Not at all. It's like they just wanted a here. There's it, yeah. It's just yeah, another. You're, you're just another number through the door. We just need to get you back out the door as quickly as yeah, we got you in. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. Never got to the bottom of it. And they couldn't. And they couldn't keep her in to help her because they'd nowhere to put her. They'd nowhere to put her. They so they sent her home. Her yeah, home. yeah. Okay. That's absolutely shocking, Kay. And I know it's just another... St- we could, you know, we could fill four hours with stories from people who believe they've been treated badly by the health service in this country, who've waited too long, people who've literally died. And as Richie said earlier on, you know, the health service have blood on their hands. There is no doubt that people have died unnecessarily in this country. Our people are dying unnecessarily. Because they're not getting the attention they deserve or we don't have a system in place to give people the attention they deserve at the right time and quick enough. So people are dying because of the health service. Now, who we blame for that, 
you can't blame individuals for it. You blame the system. Um, there are nurses and doctors who are not doing their job. Most of them are, but there are ones who are not doing the job. There are admin staff who are sitting on their arses doing nothing and getting paid ridiculous amounts of money. There are people in government who are not delegating properly the jobs and the, I suppose, the finances to the right departments. So the whole thing is a mess. Somebody else mentions, by the way, in a text there, they recently went to the hospital. They needed an antibiotic. They were discharged from the hospital at night time with their son. I'm not going to read the whole message, but basically because there's no pharmacies open, they couldn't get the antibiotic. The son then proceeded to get sicker. Um, that's something, again, that doesn't happen in the UK. And I know I keep comparing it with the UK because when you leave a UK hospital and you need an antibiotic, they will give you the course of antibiotics because there's no charge, of course, for drugs over there, unlike Ireland, uh, where we have to pay for everything. So they will give you the antibiotics. They might give you the odd painkiller or whatever it happens to be over here, but they won't give you the course of antibiotics that you need. Uh, you'll have to go, they give you a prescription. You have to go and get it yourself. Um, they will give you a prescription, of course, in the UK to follow on if you need more which are free as well, by the way. Uh, keep texting. Uh, I'm WhatsApping 87 You can call us if you want to. 1850-410-494 if you want to contribute to the programme. Uh, Brendan, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Brendan? Hello, good afternoon. Um, I was uh, sent... I got an appointment for um, a, a biopsy on my uh, kidneys because I, I was suffering with a bladder, bladder uh, complaint and uh, I'm... A, senior citizen and living me on. So I arrived into the hospital and uh, my daughter dropped me in. Mm-hmm. And I went in and the doctor said to me, he said, uh, now this will only take about a half an hour, but you can't go home unless you have someone to drive you. And I said, well, I have my daughter. Like, that's okay. He said, it'll only take about a half yeah, an hour. Yeah, it's a routine, but a routine day ward yeah. thing, yeah. So, so he said... Um, uh, I was on the, the, the theatre table. He said, oh, he said, uh, you forgot to sign this here. So I just signed away. And the next, the only thing I remember next was I was being wheeled out of the theatre. So you were coming out of the anaesthetic and kind of, you were a bit lucid, yeah. yeah. In absolute agony. And all I can remember was a, a young doctor telling me, I'm so sorry. And I didn't know. He was so sorry? Back, so what, you I, felt he'd done something wrong? He didn't say he'd done nothing wrong now. He okay. Didn't say, he just said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay. So I was wheeled into the, the, um, the war where I was. So for about two days, I was in agony. You know, I did get morphine and help. So he came in, uh, the, con- the, the other doctor, the yeah. doctor that was... The consultant, was the it? The consultant, yeah. yeah. He said... Um, there was a bit of um, some air, and he was using big words. I didn't know what he was saying. All I wanted to do was an agony. So he said, uh, we'll see how things go. So I was wheeled down then that night for an emergency operation. My family were called. And when I came out of that operation, I ended up with a stomach, with a bag. You know the bag? Yes. Food. Yeah. And I said, what happened? Oh, he said, these things happen, there was a little air thing, and um, these things do happen. But the point I'm really making is, although that doctor did say sorry, I never got any apology from the hospital. So what's, what's so your, what, 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 what condition are you in now, Brendan? Well, I have this stone, and I used to be able to go over to my son and visit him, but I can't now. So you, have you got this bag permanently now? 
Oh yeah, he said it's uh, it's 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 not reversible. But the point I'm making is, Noel, is so your so your life has completely changed. You got you went in for a routine biopsy, and you come out yes. with a bag on you. Yes, a stone. Yeah, after stone. two operations. After the, the second, well, the first one wasn't well. Maybe the first and one wasn't. Can I operation. ask you a question? Did you take legal advice? Pardon? Did you get legal advice? I went, I did, and uh, I won't be mentioned saying because I didn't ask him. Um, and he said to me, I get your medical records and we'll see how things are. And it took him five months, five months to get the, the records. Yeah, it can be hospital. difficult to get the records, yeah. Yeah, so he got the records and he sent them away for to be analysed. And he called me into his office and he said... Uh, I'm sorry to say, Brendan, but he said, um, when you're going against the doctors like this, he said, what happens is we could win it. But he said, they'll appeal it. And he says, they'll appeal it again. So you could go through it for five or six years and then end up, and it costs you a lot of money as well. And it costs a lot of money. Now, I can understand his his end. He couldn't do it, you know, winner or whatever. No win, yeah, no win, no fee, yeah. But, the point was, I never get, even got an apology. But well, I, I'm flabbergasted. So you go in for just a standard day ward procedure for a biopsy, which is should be standard. Kidney. Yeah, there'll be a little yeah. bit of pain afterwards, right? That's why you asked you, you got someone to drop them. And, and you're in a hospital for days in excruciating pain. You end up having two operations and now you permanently have a bag. Yeah. Well, I had more than two because what happened was I, I, I developed, a, um, you know, the way our stomach comes out. Uh, a hernia. A hernia, right. Yeah. So I had to go into theatre again. That was okay. You know, everything was okay. And then later on, I was having accidents with the bag. And I was trying to tell them there's something not right. So the consultant said, oh, we'll ha- we'll, I don't like going back in there, but we'll have a look. And what, w- what was wrong was the stoma itself wasn't coming out far enough. So he brought out more. So that was the second operation. Right. And uh, and how are you feeling? You must be, how old are you, Brandon, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 68. Okay, now how are you feeling now? Well, Bar- well, feel, life has changed. I just feel like, I do be, you know, I've had, uh, you know, Christians and communions, but I'm always afraid that that um, I'd have an accident, cause, which I do have sometimes, yeah, you know, yeah. with the bag. Yeah. But my whole life is... Um, Your life revolves around yeah. it now, yeah. But they never even apologise. But I'll tell you what I did notice when I'm thinking back. I didn't see these uh, junior doctors, or whatever you call them, at maybe half seven in the morning, right? And then I'd see them, you know, just before I got the... What do you call it? Don't yeah. you? And then I'd see them at about ten o'clock at night. Now, I don't know how many Now, you couldn't possibly be um, fully alert uh, for performing any operation if, if you're knackered tired. No, you certainly couldn't. And, you know, I mean, we wouldn't let a truck driver drive a truck for that long, so, well, or a pilot yeah. fly a plane for that long. So why would we let a junior doctor do it? Brendan, I'm sorry to have to rush you, but I'm really, I'm absolutely shocked to hear your story. And I'm really, I'm more shocked to think that, you know, you, you couldn't, when I say get someone to be compensated in some way for what happened to you. Yeah, thanks yeah. very much. All right, no problem, Brendan. All right, thanks very much indeed. That's absolutely shocking. His whole life has changed. Goes in for a routine uh, biopsy and his whole life has changed. 
But look, I don't know. Obviously, I don't. I don't. I'm not a doctor, so I don't know what what would have could have or would have went wrong in that particular situation. Obviously, he signed a disclaimer at the air at the start before it got done and gave his permission that something could go wrong in the unlikely event, and maybe he's just one of those very few in the unlikely event something did go wrong. But I mean, he doesn't seem to understand himself what went wrong, and maybe it should have been explained to him a bit better. Can I point out that a lot of people have gone through this, the HSE system? Um, and it's only fair to do this, you know, who have been unwell and ended up in hospital and have been treated great and have been cured or whatever it is and have been diagnosed properly and have come out, you know, with all their bells and whistles intact. But we are talking specifically about the way the hospitals are being run in this country, comparison to other countries around the world and why we can't get it right. And certainly levels of incompetency seem to be higher. Uh, you know, for a country that is a first world country and we shouldn't have these levels of incompetency. And listen to uh, Brendan's story before the break. That's shocking. Absolutely shocking. Now, I'm not a medical doctor. I, I don't understand why that happened to him. Um, I'm, if I was him, I would certainly follow it all the way through with a solicitor. But Brendan, obviously, he's an elderly man. He doesn't have the money to do that. Uh, I know the biggest mistake is when the nursing, nursing became a degree qualification. The old nurses learned on the job, similar to apprenticeships. They spent more time in the wards rather than in universities, says Anthony. But, but they do spend some time on the wards, yeah, but I get the point you're making. In the old regional hospitals where you had the matron and she would show them everything from start to finish. Yeah, maybe they had more practical experience before they actually started in the job. I get the point you're making. Uh, another person says, not I had a hernia behind my storma site. Misery uh, for many months uh, before it was sorted. Uh, you're only barely scratching or touching on the scandal. But you were the only radio and media doing it. TV, license, tax, RTE, a complete corruption and waste of time. Um, well, I, I think already have discussed this a few times, probably. Another person says, no, uh, you've uh, got several uh, tests in Belfast in just a few hours. I've had 10 plus colonoscopies and not one prostate check in any way. Why? Dysfunctional HSE and the politicians won't ever change it. Well, I think the politicians would like to change it. I think that's the plan to try and change it. But I think they come up against unions constantly all the time. It's like the teachers where we tried to bring in, say, for example, the, the change in the junior cert. The resistance from staff to want to change is difficult for the government because the unions are on their side, on the staff side, obviously. And the unions will never admit that there's something wrong. The unions will never admit staff are not doing their jobs properly. Uh, Trish, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Trish? Hi, Niall. Niall, my son injured himself there the other day in his PE class. And he came home and I decided to bring him straight to telehospital because his ankle was extremely swollen and bruised. Okay. Um, he's 17. Uh, why he has to go to an adult A&E, I don't know. Once you reach 16, the thrown out of the children. That's right, A&E. yeah. yeah. Um, I went in. He got to see the triage nurse fairly quickly. Uh, the triage nurse checked it. She said, uh, because it's so swollen, she said, I can't see if there's a break or anything. He explained that he didn't know whether he'd popped the foot out and popped it back in when he moved it because he heard a click. Right. And he said the foot was wobbly and he pushed it back in and he was able to move it again. She said there'd be a six-hour wait. So you have a choice of sitting in A&E for six hours or coming back to the bone clinic the following morning. I left it up to my son, and he said he'd stay. He said six hours. Okay. So I was there for a good few hours, and then my husband took over. And no sign of him being called in. Ten o'clock, still no sign of him being called in. The six-hour wait was up. Eleven o'clock went. Twelve o'clock went. One o'clock went. 
Did he and have an x-ray or anything at this he stage? He had nothing at this stage. He got some painkillers at half four and an ice pack. I had to go up and ask for another ice pack to go on it. Um, then and was he, in, was he in a lot of pain? He was in, yeah, a fair amount of pain okay. at this stage. And he has a very high pain threshold. I'm lucky with him that way. Now most young fellas do, yeah. 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 But he, um, my husband then went up to a doctor who was calling names out. So the people that had come in after him were being called in with similar, similar injuries. And um, he said, could you find out where he is on the list? Of course, he never came back. Then another doctor came out and he asked him and they went in and they looked on the computer. And because he had refused to go to the clinic the following morning, the triage nurse had put him down as an unnecessary or an unurgent. Right. Um, so, so here's your son whose foot could have been broken or ankle could have been yeah, broken. Yeah. And, and she put it down as uh, kind of a low priority because, yeah, because you talked, inconvenienced them by saying you didn't want to come back the next day. Exactly. Right. Okay. And so it was almost like punishment, wasn't it? bumped down to the end of the list. So when we, we went in after about eight to ten hours of waiting, he was on the bottom of the list again. So when did he get, what time did he get his x-ray? It was about three o'clock in the morning oh he my. got his x-ray. And he, my Eleven son, hours for an x-ray? Yes. Jesus. My son picked it up wrong when the girl that was x-raying him said, um, go back out and they'll see you straight away. He went out and told the doctor, uh, I was told be seen straight away. Yeah. So he got to be seen straight away, lucky enough, and he was told that it's soft tissue damage. He couldn't see anything on the X-ray. Um, and if there was anything on the X-ray, bear in mind this is a Thursday. Right. You'd find out by Tuesday whether it's broken or not. And he was sent home. So they couldn't tell him there and then? They told him they thought it was soft tissue damage and ligaments. Now we have surely, they can, surely, they can t- surely a qualified doctor can tell from the X-ray what it is. There he and looked then. at the X-ray and said he couldn't see anything. But if uh, a consultant was to look at it and there was a break, you'd hear by Tuesday. Ah, oh, gee, God, now, but lucky enough, it, it's what sort of system now. is that? So there was nobody qualified enough, no. is what you're saying, to tell no. you emphatically whether his foot or leg was broken or not. No, you had to wait till Tuesday. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. And after sitting there for 11 hours just to get the x-ray. Yeah. Oh, my God. What are we, what sort of system like, have we got in this country? I know people would say he's an adult, he's 17, but to me, he's still a child. Oh, he's your baby. I know. No, but I mean... <laughs> no, I know, I know. A, a 17-year-old in prison. No, I know. Because they're underage. So why did they deem them old enough to go to an adult A&E? Yeah. No, I don't understand. Um, they, it's over 16, isn't it, Jay? You can't bring them yeah. to, to the crumbling there was everything and yeah. anything coming in, as you can imagine, yeah, at 2 drunks, or 3 in the morning. Yeah, all sorts of people. Yeah. And I'm not saying he has a sheltered lifestyle. Like he has, like he does go out and he does see people drunk and that. But when you're sick and yeah. you're young and this is going on around you, it makes you more nervous, more uptight. And, and look, that's 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 a problem as well. But I think yeah. the bigger problem is, is A, that you waited 11 hours for this, this x-ray, yeah. and then when you eventually did get an x-ray, you're still unsure as to what's wrong with him because there isn't somebody qualified enough to look at it. Yeah. He that's was told fine. if it's still swollen within a week or a week and a half to go to your own doctor and get a letter to go to the bone clinic. Oh, after okay. paying well, Trish, there's, nothing, there's nothing I can say to that apart from that's just ridiculous. Yeah. 
And yeah. I, I don't know who to blame for that. Who do you blame for that, by the way? I don't blame the doctors as such because I think they're grossly understaffed. Well, I mean, if a doctor but, looked at an X-ray, he's a doctor. He's qualified. Are they are they junior doctors though? Are they fully but, well, it doesn't ma- well, it doesn't matter. He said a doctor. He should know. know. He should be able to yeah. say. But I do think when you go into triage and the triage said, right, well, the doctor's going to send him for an X-ray. We'll send him for an X-ray now rather than have to wait 11 hours and then be sent for an X-ray and then see it. I see. I don't understand why that has to be delayed. You know what I mean? There there couldn't be that many people waiting for X-rays that they have to put you at the end of some list. I mean, it would be just a matter of triage saying, okay, he needs an X-ray. Yes. Fill out the form, send it off. You take that there and go and wait down for an X-ray. And yeah. Why can't they just do that instead of leaving you like a gobshite sitting out there exactly. for 11 hours? It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah. And all you're doing is sitting there in more pain. And, and holding up another seat. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it doesn't make any sense. You're right. Thanks, Trish, yeah. for sharing that story with us. All right. Okay, that was Tala Hospital. All right. Okay. Uh, Roisin, you're on Classic Kids. How you doing, Roisin? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Roisin, I planned to finish this earlier, but I have so many people with stories. I mean, I'm absolutely horrified. Now, I know we're only um, going to get the bad stories, but that's life, you know, but I mean, our system is, is broke. Yeah, yeah, but everybody has a, sto- has a bad story. That's the thing. Like, everybody has one. Or if they don't, they know somebody who did. And whose fault is it? Oh, well... It's every well. I mean, fault, the minister for health. Fault. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, do you know what? Um, In some way, and I know people are going to hate me for this. I think the minister for health is the last person to blame because his job, basically. I mean, look, he's a minister for health. He's looking after everything. He's a delegator. That's his job. Okay, he's just a delegator. So he delegates duties to different people, civil servants. And he basically says, you know, with the minister for finance, well, okay, working, we can allocate sixteen billion this year, and he's not the one making decisions as to where it's spent. There's people allocated and, and delegated to make those decisions for him. So it's yeah. not necessarily his, just his. I know he the book stops with him. I understand that. But there's admin staff. There's head of the HSE. You know, there's all those yeah. other people who are supposed to be making the right decisions. Their fault. Well, and there's so many people blocking beds as well um, that it, they could iron out the system and let them move to where they need to move. Um, you know, like from experience being in and out of the hospital, which I would have been with my mother um, a lot. Now, I'm, I mean, probably once a month for about six to nine months, right? Because um, she was very immunocompromised and everything else like that. And before we got her into a care home, which she's in now, which is fabulous, um, she would have been sent in with loads of different things. So she was sitting um, sit in a bed waiting for a place in a care home? Well, to be honest, she wasn't even waiting for the place in the care home. She was being cared for at home. Okay. Um, but it wasn't suitable. Um, now, the last time that she went into the hospital, she was actually waiting on her fair deal, everything else to come through for her fair deal, which, as you know, is the kind of the country scheme yeah. for allowing somebody to transition into a care home. Yeah. Um, now, the way that we the way that we were putting it to them was, my mum was being cared for at home with a, to the, with a cost of about a thousand quid a week. Yeah. Which is roughly about the cost of the home we were waiting for her to go to. They were keeping a bed for her. Um, they were ready and willing to take her. She was ready and willing to go, but this fair deal process was not complete. Yeah. And the answer that we got in the hospital was, oh, well, sure, we'll keep her here. We'll keep her in hospital. Was, which, well, is no, using no. Up, using up, well, which would be using up a bed that somebody else could be in. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And, you're t- and we, we were saying, no, but we have no date for when she could go in. Well, if you feel that it's not safe environment for her to go home, like we can keep her in the hospital here. Yeah. Um, but the times that we have been in with her, it's just been the treatment, the, the, um, the, the shortfalls have been shocking. 
Yeah. They really, really have. Like, we went in one time, um, one of the, the first kind of start of our journey of being there constantly, um, she had a stroke. So one of the care staff in the house thought that she looked a bit droopy on one side. But, like, with the other health complaints she has, she has MS, it's very hard to diagnose a stroke because you can have those types of lack of sensation and different things with MS. So that was fine. So in she went. We sat with her till 3, 4 in the morning and explained the situation that, listen, you know, when my mum comes into place like this with the hospital lights and that she gets a little bit confused as a lot of elderly people do they said oh well please will you hold on to speak to the doctor then because he'll want the medical history and everything else that's fine you would be quicker seeing um a, a mirage <laughs> uh, jesus christ jesus christ could appear to you before a doctor would like you would sit there you just go back out for the next hour to top up the car again back out for the next hour to top up the car again no sign of anybody so and eventually we called it a day at i think four or five in the morning and we went back in the next day, the three sisters, and we still really had no idea what was wrong with her. But anyways, they'd moved her up to high dependency. So we went in there and um, went to see my mom. Are you OK? Yeah. Did they say anything? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Went back out and said, no, it's well, just wondering about such and such in the bed. Yeah, and he yeah. knew, she said, and this is, how we, this is how we found out her mother had a stroke. Oh, well, I mean, you know she's had a stroke. Oh, right. OK. I said... Hardly the way like, to tell you, really, is it? Well, yeah. they, they had all our phone numbers. We had waited for the doctor. And see, the problem the is when they're com- when they're communicating, and I've had this situation with my own mother and father, with, with an elderly person who doesn't is not completely coherent, and a doctor comes down and tells them a load of stuff, and then you go in and say, they don't, they "What does the doctor say to you?" They haven't a clue. No, they, they don't. They haven't a clue. No. So we said, we said no. We said we didn't know that. We did. We've been told nothing. We've been told nothing since she was brought in. Oh, forget I said anything. Come in, come in this evening for a meeting and blah blah and all that. So that's fine. Um, like the times that we've been there with her, and we've only come in and they're saying, "No, let's get you off home." And you're yeah. saying, you haven't even diagnosed her yet. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Honest to God. Like, right, so, um, so you're telling me as well that the staff are not doing their job properly either. Not, not all of them, let's be clear, okay? But you're, you're saying that some of them are just incompetent. I think because I think that, I think yeah. that's incompetence. I mean that you know you don't know what's wrong with your mother, and they're telling you blase. Oh, by the way, she's had yeah. a stroke without yeah. having some sort of. I mean, there's there's a way to do that. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. But even like pick up the phone and keep saying they know that she's not in a position to ring us. She's not. She's she's a very complicated patient. So she. So the, really, it's kind of a case of they do want you to hang around. So normally, with your loved one, they kind of say, "Well, you know, like the doctor will be. In, we, you know, we'll take it from here or whatever." But yeah. you know, like they very much are saying, "Oh, well, if you wouldn't mind kind of holding on for the doctor," and they say, "Well, that's absolutely fine." But then and his team. The they always use the word team. His doctor and, and his he, team. He say, "Can you send the doctor?" <laughs> Another time, she was in the A and E, and she was due to be seen in another clinic in the hospital. And we said, you know, she has another appointment, so she said, oh, we'll ring and cancel that. I said, oh, no, but sure, sure, could somebody not bring her down? And it would save us having to, you know, organise with carers and wheelchair taxis and everything else to get back in the following week. Oh, no, no, because we'd have to discharge her and then re-enter her as an outpay. I mean, it's unbelievable. No, no, the whole thing is just all a mess. It's all administration and it's all a mess. And in relation to what you said about bed, what they used to call bed blockers years ago, which yeah. is kind of a disparaging term for elderly people, by the way, because most of them are elderly people, uh, yeah. waiting to get into a care home, I mean, and using up a bed that somebody else could be in. I mean, it's not, but that's not their fault, by the way. And, and no, sometimes they're miserable in hospital. Yeah, they don't want to be there either. So, yeah, it is, but it's an admin problem. Thanks for that, Rose Shane. Okay, loads and loads of people texting in. I just want to read out this text very quickly before I went to the next topic. 
It's obviously for somebody who's not actually from Ireland, but they've worked in the system over here or do work in the system. When I started nursing, we did everything. I could take blood, do urine tests, insert catheters, uh, male and female. I washed floors. Patients changed bed curtains. I trained to uh, put in uh, pick lines, uh, art lines, five IV drugs, assisted in anaesthetics. Moved to Ireland. What's changed? Not allowed to do most of this. Unions, management, but also the claim culture. Accountants and lawyers tell uh, healthcare what to do. Uh, the government, uh, I'm assuming this person, by the way, is slightly broken English, so I'm, I'm trying to decipher some of what to say. Uh, government days slow down. As more work you do, the more money you spend. Uh, why do we not have enough nurses, uh, physios, x-ray techs, etc.? have bad management from government to hospital managers. Staff at the front line have no pride in their jobs. Themselves, the HSE, are burnt out and feel completely unsupported. Uh, told, uh, the, we're told that they cost too much by the government and the EU. Uh, yes, uh, EU, but Ireland is hugely expensive. Most new nurses leave as they can't afford rent, travel, food, uh, and get no extra training without paying uh, for it themselves. Uh, as nurses, you give 30 minutes in the morning for no wage for the handover, and then it's up to an hour at the end of the shift as well, with no pay. If a nurse goes sick on maternity day or on holiday, they're not replaced, uh, but the workload stays the same. Overtime is rarely offered, and as for pay, it's not worth doing anyway. Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.